Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taiwan Talk, a show where we explore news and topics from here in Taiwan. I'm today's host, Trevor Tordomasi, and for this episode, I'm speaking with Eddie Gonzalez, a podcaster and owner of the restaurant Eddie's Cantina here in Taiwan. So my name is uh, Ed uh, Gonzalez. Uh, everyone calls me Eddie. I've been in Taiwan for about 20 years and I have a restaurant. The restaurant started about 15 years ago. And about two years ago, I started a podcast, uh, something that I wanted to do for a while. And when I shrunk down from two restaurants to one, I said, I'm going to take this one day, a slow day in a restaurant, and I'm going to take a little chunk of the restaurant and I'm going to just do a live podcast in the restaurant. So you've been a restaurateur since... It's been about 15 years, man. So the original story was uh, I eventually, uh, my wife and I got married and I was coaching soccer, which I loved. I was teaching kindergarten, which I loved. And she wasn't very happy with her job at the moment. So I said, what do you want to do? She said, uh, I'd like to open a coffee shop. I do like coffee, but I'm not a coffee like connoisseur. My family is from Mexico. Uh, I was born in Canada. We cook a lot with my mom at home and my wife liked the food. And I said, well, we can try this. And so we did. We tried that. We tried the Mexican food. Yeah. 15 years. 15 years. We started in a night market in Danshui. Oh, man. That was a hustle. <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. So when I first went to your restaurant, Eddie's Cantina in, God, uh, if it was nine years ago that it closed, and it must have been about 10 years ago, uh, it, was that the night market area or is that- Do you know the Danshui area a little bit? Like, so bit. if you go to the old street, mm-hmm. like when you come right off the MRT, there's that sort of busy night market on the left side there. Uh, we were in there. We did that for one year and then we moved uh, over to the location that most people know, which was kind of up the road on a little sort of a stair, stairy little hill thing. And that was the cantina. That was the first cantina. But uh, in the the night market we called it uh, eddie burrito that's awesome so how did that transition into the show okay so the show one of the best things is meeting the people well you know when people come in to the restaurant you get to meet uh students you get to meet uh actors and actresses and musicians and entrepreneurs and people people come to eat right so everybody comes and they're telling me their stories and and i like to chat with people and i find a lot of the times where uh people tell me these stories and i hear these stories and i'm like man you 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 need to share this story or somebody needs to share this story because it's a great one. And so I found out that, you know, I, I, I've been a big podcast fan of some of the big podcasts. I would love to do something like that. When I had two restaurants, I just couldn't. But when I had one, I said, you know what, I'm going to take one of the slow days uh, of the week and I'm going to do it. And so at the very beginning, it was tough to find people, but I said, I'm going to do it for a couple years, uh, once a week. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good. I mean, it's it's growing. It's it's tougher to grow than I thought, but it's been great and I love it. And sharing the stories of the people that, that you meet is pretty cool. In Taiwan, a lot of the people I've talked to that have started shows, started them, you can you can look at their first episode and it's dated like in the middle of the pandemic. Okay. A lot of people have sprung out of the ground like, like days sure. yeah. um, with the yeah. pandemic. And I think that's amazing. I think but so too. You started before and you uh, rode through it. How has that been? So we do it live in the restaurant and we do it with food. We do it with spicy wings. We have like horchata and we have, we have a pretty good, the spicy wings are so that we can get kind of a, like a funny clip out of it, which is, which is pretty cool. But, uh, going through the pandemic with the no dine-in thing, uh, it was tough. And I thought, should I stop? What should I do? We started with zoom and then I tried a couple of different softwares and, uh, it's been pretty good, man. I, I love it. We just figured just learn another software and just keep going. Yeah. So that's what I did. What is your goal as a podcast host? 
Um, obviously I'd like the channel to grow, right? Um, I actually do have some episodes in Mandarin. I need to do more, I think more in Mandarin, but I, I just really want to get some more eyes on people doing cool stuff in Taiwan. Obviously there are some big channels and some big podcasts out there. I've been on a few other podcasts and stuff like that. And I just think if everyone works together, I think we can really grow, get, get the eyes on Taiwan because Taiwan's a great place and I've been here for a long time. And I think that uh, the world doesn't really know how cool it is and all the cool stuff that's happening here. And if I can shine a, a little spotlight on that, then I'm doing my part for sure. I have learned and relearned so many of my conversational habits um, in post-production. Um, I'll have a chat with someone for Taiwan Talk and I'll go home to edit and I'll realize that I said something wrong or I said it like clumsily. Do you edit your own interviews and what have you learned from that? So I do some editing myself. Uh, I do have, I do outsource that when I can uh, because I'm with the restaurant, it's really busy. As you, as you should. But and I wish uh, I could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't, yeah. I mean, I have a few, a few tricks. Uh, uh, there's a company called Catapult that just started, they, they do Twitter and YouTube. So what they do is they kind of record your stream, you, you live stream, they kind of record it. They have it on their cloud and you log into your software and you can kind of just like rip little clips off here, there, just 10 second clips, uh, two minute clips, whatever. To be honest, the main thing is, uh, I have something called an Elgato Stream Deck. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it plugs into your computer and it's just a little push button sort of keyboard, basically, uh, with little LEDs on it. And it, that's how I switch cameras and that's how I switch angles and that's how I hit the intro button. Everything is just push button. And when I do it like that, I don't have to edit very much, which is awesome. <laughs> it's a life editing. Yeah. It's like an, if you're in an hour interview, it's probably going to be like five hours of editing. Right. So yeah, ideally I'd like to get it as, as, as clean as possible without having to, to do much editing. Yeah. The stream deck is amazing. I think that that does sound amazing. I think yeah. that might be the same thing that I've learned from editing, which is learn what edits you're constantly making with every interview yeah. and then find a way to just fix that by doing the interview different. Yeah. Do the interview. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree 100% because sometimes when you're like, oh, you're looking at it and you think, oh my God, I'm saying like every second word. Yeah, I think I think if you can get it sort of like that straight up, you're, I think it's the best way. I don't know how, how granular you get. If you're doing it live, bless you. Um, I, I get a little granular sometimes and I'll edit like, like swallows or things like that. Sure. I'll yeah. balance the, the noise. I try to get everything to like negative three decibels or something like that. Okay, wow. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. It, yeah, it gets, because yeah. I want a good audio experience for people, even if they're maybe like just on the verge of being interested in this topic. I want them to also like know that there's not going to be like a spike in volume or something that really yeah. bugs me in podcasts is when someone is like talking and you turn up your volume a little bit to hear them and then they laugh and you're like, oh, my ears. And yeah. like, there's that, nothing worse than, than I think than bad audio. I think bad video it can be forgiven because mm -hmm. I mean, especially during a podcast, you can throw it in your pocket and go for a walk or a run. But if the audio is is is, is sort of like ear screeching, mm -hmm. it, it's tough. I think people are going to they're going to shy away. So, yeah, I think the audio is very important. Yeah. What have you learned from doing the live show specifically? I found that people get more nervous doing live stuff. But for me, um, I find it easier. I don't know why. I mean, sometimes you make mistakes or you stutter or something. I don't know. It just seems really easy. As soon as I hit that live button, I just feel like, all right, let's go. We're good. And sometimes I need to make videos for the restaurant or for some kind of clips and they're recorded. And I need to take like 20 takes because mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird reverse role reversal for me. Live for me seems to be Ah, it seems to be a lot easier. I don't know why, but recorded is tough. <laughs> if you know that you have multiple chances to get it right, you're going to want to do it right in every day. Even uh, I make a bunch of lame, like 10 second videos for Instagram and, and TikTok. Beautiful. And uh, Beautiful. It's, they're, they're pretty silly, but even though they're like 10 seconds long, I'll do like, 
10 takes for half of it and then 10 takes for another half and I'll edit it, I'll like balance the sound and stuff and get really exact about it. But if someone says like, oh, we're going to sit down for like half an hour and just talk and it's live, I'll be yeah. like, all right, there's no editing, so I'm going to be fine. If I cough, if I mess up a word, if I have to repeat myself, uh, that's just how it goes. And it's a lot more relaxing that way. I, I found it. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing for me is uh, I've, like I said, I've interviewed uh, some professional fighters and uh, one of Taiwan's most famous uh, women's fighter, uh, Jenny Huang, she's fought in, uh, she fights in one FC, which is kind of like the Asia UFC. And uh, she's gone all the way up to fight for a title. So she's pretty amazing. Uh, she came in and, and she was kind of like, oh, I'm nervous. And I'm like, you you fight in a cage in front of like in a stadium. And I'm like, you're nervous to have some wings with me. And she's kind of like, yeah. I'm like, well, I thought that was really cool because it, it, it makes me feel like, okay, people are, are taking it seriously. It, it's something cool. So for me, I found that uh, pretty rewarding and, and she's awesome. Yeah. And uh, what have you learned about yourself through all this? I've always been sort of a really, before I came to Taiwan, I was a really, really introverted person. I was really quiet. I was really shy. And when I came to Taiwan for the first few months, again, I was really introverted. And I found when I started to be to, to push myself sort of out of my comfort zone, uh, things started to happen a lot more. It's probably not just me. Anyone who steps out of their comfort zone is going to improve, I think. And for me, once I started doing the, the interviews... I found that the conversations and stuff like that, my 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 ability to have a conversation with people, I got a lot a lot better. I think I became more comfortable, more more confident in just talking to whoever. I don't. Know, I think it's pretty good. I think I'm doing all right. Not too bad for. I mean, for somebody that had zero experience, you know, grabbed his old GoPro and the karaoke mics from you know the restaurant and and said, let's just do it. I think it's not bad, and I think it's gotten a lot better since then. But uh, something that I really like. And I, I love meeting people and, and going from someone who's really, really introverted to going out and talking to people and, and finding people to come on and do a show and, and sometimes convincing people to come and do it. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's helped me a lot in, in a lot of ways, man. It's, it's, it's this weird thing to explain, but it's, it's pretty cool. What's your setup process for each interview? So what I do is I have these two high tables at the restaurant and sort of I'll move one into the other section and I'll kind of make the section where people are eating a little more compact and I'll flip one of the big tables over and we have a backdrop there with with like shelves and stuff like that. So I'll flip that over. I'll set up my camera with the big ring light. Uh, we used to have sort of big... I don't know, like uh, these softbox lights on the sides, mm. but people kept kicking them when they went to pay their bill. <laughs> so, and then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, that's okay. No problem. And it's like, Ugh. or kicking, you know, the camera and stuff. So uh, you have to get creative and making it compact, but you know, good. So the ring light worked for that. But when someone has g glasses, the ring light's really bad because it just shows up like that. Right. Uh, so you have to get kind of creative. We had some overhead lights. We try to make it as compact as possible. And we also have it plugged into our sort of PA system and we turn on the rear speakers in the restaurant very low so people can kind of hear it as the background if we turn it too high you get the reverb so it's like it's a mm. law it's a long process but you so i flipped the table i set up the drinks and i said you know we set up the food uh well the food comes like right at the end set up the mics uh do a sound check set the speakers up in the back cameras we have two cameras and and the for the first few times i i I, I just forgot stuff i think the most important thing for me was again that elgato stream deck where you can just pull up whatever you want you can put up you can set up with uh pictures like when i'm interviewing somebody i'll sort of deep dive into their instagram or into their facebook and i'll pull up maybe 10 pictures because you are live so occasionally the conversation dies and then i'll be like oh cool so here's that 
I pull up a picture and be like, well, why don't you tell me about this picture? You know, so that kind of starts the conversation again. So you get really creative on, on how to keep the ball rolling when you do everything live. I think there's people doing comments and stuff so you can answer the comments, which is cool. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, the process has evolved a lot, but I mean, now it's kind of it's second nature. So you have been running Eddie's Cantina for many years. It was in Danshui and now it's in Tianmu, correct? That's right. Yes, yes. So was that your first business in Taiwan? So I actually started with a little small soccer school. I mean, me coaching a bunch of different teams privately. That that was, I guess, the first one. But like the first official real business would, yeah, definitely be the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. What brought you to Taiwan originally? I actually, I was in Canada. I, I went to uh, to school to do criminology. Wanted to be a police officer in Canada. RCMP, the Mountie, the whole thing. And uh, I got all the way to the final interview, passed everything. And at the very end, uh, I failed the final interview because I was, I think I was 21. I was really young. They told me, you know, you need to have more like life experience, which basically meant more bad things happen to you. Yeah, I failed so, so, a lot of things when I was 21 yeah, too. <laughs> so I was like, you know, bad things happen to you and, you know, we need to f- see how you react to it. Like, have you ever seen anyone murdered or anything like that? I'm like, no, I mean, if, if yeah. you know, if something's going down, I'm out, you know, like I'm not sticking around. So, so I told them, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. They said, you know what, reapply in two years. And I said, what should I do for the two years? They said, you know, go get life experience. At the time I was coaching soccer. I just finished up my job doing soccer there. And I was thinking I've always wanted to come to Asia. And I figured if I could learn another language, Mandarin would be great. Uh, and and Japan and Korea both snowed, and, and I was born in Canada, and, and I'm, I've had enough snow. So yeah, I'm I'm actually close to I'm in a small town called Kitimat, and it's close to Alaska. So wow. it's a really small town. It's 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 really nice. A lot of snow in the winter. So when I saw that Japan and Korea snowed, and I said tropical little island, no snow, I could probably learn Mandarin. I think I made the right choice, man. Taiwan's a great place. I love mm-hmm. it here. Preaching to the choir, man. Yeah. How has your life changed as a restaurant owner and how has it changed as the host and how have they changed together? So restaurant owner, like I said, I was uh, more introverted. I used to hide in the kitchen more. Uh, I have my wife sort of running the front and I'd be in the back. And you have to learn how to be be a leader, I think, when you when you have a business, especially with a restaurant. Uh, I get more respect with the staff when I'm actually in there. And I, I started doing we, we my, my wife and I started everything. We do everything and we hire somebody. We we sort of teach them. We try to have them do what we do. And it's really hard to get somebody to do it exactly right. So then you have to learn how to teach a person to cook your food in your way. But not just that, you have to learn how to teach them to teach the next person. So uh, I think leadership is is one of the skills I developed a lot. I think I had some before, but uh, with the restaurant, yeah, it, it's 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 really important. And and I think if the staff doesn't respect the owners and the owners are not good people, then then you're going to get a lot of turnover because, you know, restaurant it, it's tough. It's a tough gig, you know. We make everything from scratch, which uh on the outside everybody thinks is fantastic, which it is. But it's super duper labor intensive. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, we have right now, we have a really solid team, which is great. Probably the best team we've had ever, I think, because I've got a nice mix of people from all over the world. I've got a uh, one of the girls in the front from Russia, from Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, uh, Turkey. I've got a really cool mix of people and everyone's doing our thing. And, and I think one of the big things was through the pandemic, I know a lot of places 
they just basically they couldn't afford to keep people so they fired everybody or they negotiated half pay or a whole bunch of people doing different things we kept everybody uh we took the hit ourselves we were hoping it wouldn't go that long we took a pretty huge hit actually but i think that uh, the staff really appreciated that i had meetings with i have meetings with them and i asked them you know how they're feeling with a pandemic just checking in on mental health and stuff and they were like hey we feel great our life hasn't really changed uh we're you know we're still getting our salary. We're safe. We're good. So that was, that made me feel pretty good. And uh, I think I think they appreciate it now. And, and definitely restaurants can get really busy and crazy and people get grumpy. But that's that's just the industry, right? I mean, yeah, it has to be busy for, for you know, you to have the money to pay people. Yeah. And um, without prying too much, I'm curious sure. about your experience being a father through all of this work. Sure. So my, my daughter, uh, she grew up in the restaurant, basically, which has helped her social skills like incredibly i know i know a lot of kids are really i grew up super shy uh-huh. and if i didn't have to talk i wouldn't i'm just like i'm not going to talk to anybody but my daughter is super outgoing uh as a kid she would always be in the restaurant and anytime any kids would come in with a family she would go sit with them she'd bring the kids menu over and start coloring with kids she would chat with them and so she made tons of friends and a lot of people would call the restaurant and say hey is Aaliyah there and we're like yeah and they're just like so reservation for five that's two kids yeah so the kids want to come and see oh, Aaliyah that's awesome so so the kids come they play and she gets a chance to meet people from everywhere so it's been really good uh, what is the most difficult aspect of, of everything that you do when the restaurant like so when the the the, the lockdown sort of thing ended uh, the restaurant started to get busy and then busier and busier and busier and so I was doing more uh, a lot of the stuff uh, again cooking again you know to be making beans and rice and editing videos and then taking care of my daughter and taking her to school and then finding podcast guests and then you know having an actual decent show an entertaining show but then when the show starts it's like a big exhale. I've got my little stream deck there. I've got everything kind of rolling. And it's like, okay, how are you doing? Good, mm-hmm. good. I had a great week. What are you most proud of? I think the restaurant. The restaurant, you know what? I'm loving the podcast. Uh, but the, the restaurant is 15 years old. And to have gone through, you know, ups and downs, lots of lows, even many times thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go back and teach because, you know, it's 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 easier. I have weekends off. I go back and coach, you know, I, I can make some decent money uh, and then thinking, no, 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 we're going to do this. You know, when we have the daughter, this will be cool if we can have a really cool business and she can be with us and we can actually grow something to the point where we're able to give it to her. I think that that, that business part is, is, is the most thing I'm most proud of. My wife and I had zero, zero experience with a business and it was, it was, it's done, it's done pretty good. You could always be making a little more money, right? But that, that's life, I think. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, I think it's cool connecting people and stuff like that. I'm pre- pretty happy with the, with the restaurant, I would say one, and then the podcast too, if we're not including family, of course. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to say to people of Taiwan? I would just like to say, uh, if you guys want to get some Mexican food, come out to Eddie's Cantina. We try to serve all the popular dishes. If you guys have time, you're doing some kind of commute, listen to ICRT, obviously. But uh, if you guys want to check out uh, different interviews from different people doing cool things in Taiwan, uh, go to eddie.live. That's E-D-D-Y dot L-I-V-E. We go live every Tuesday night. And you can actually, if you watch it live, you can comment and we'll answer your comments and stuff, questions. Yeah, we'll answer them live. And and, uh, if you are somebody that would like to share your story, send me a PM or something and we'll figure it out. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, Eddie, thanks for joining me in the studio today. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you guys for watching. I mean, yeah. yeah. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Once again, thank you to Eddie for coming into ICRT. Visit Eddie live to see his interviews or head on over to Eddie's Cantina in Tianmu for some great food. And finally, as I close out this episode, I'd like to remind everyone to join my co-host Ryan Drillsma in next week's episode. Stay safe out there, everybody. And until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100. <laughs>